0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Get Over Yourself podcast, a podcast dedicated to self-development, self-improvement, and helping you achieve the goals that you've laid forth in your life. I'm your podcast host, Brandon Davis, and in today's episode, we have a very unique guest who's going to be joining us for today's interview. His name is Bennett Maxwell, and some of you may have heard about him in the news recently. A little bit about Bennett is that he's an experienced salesman and has been making use of his skills since his days of selling candy bars in elementary school. Sharing his sales and business expertise, Bennett is a member of the Forbes Business Council and Apex Executives. He's also traded in his elementary school candy bar business for something slightly bigger. Bennett is currently lowering business barriers and raising mental health awareness through his cookie-selling franchise, Dirty Dough. He stands for Authenticity And self acceptance, encouraging others to come as they are. You might even say that from a business perspective, Bennett is one tough cookie. I really appreciate this bio that me and Bennett have been working up because it's something not only do I find super amusing, but it's something very truthful about Bennett. He's a super hard worker. Um, Ever since day one, he has been chasing that business experience, getting his name out there. And so today's episode is going to be very unique. We're going to take it from off the elementary school playground selling candy bars to what it's been like his journey through op- opening franchises of dirty dough and the whole process has gone through in just two years, how much growth they've had. So, guys, get excited for today's episode. One other fun fact that I'm gonna bring up real quick is if you haven't heard the news, if you've been living under a rock for recently, if as many of you know, there's another cookie company called Crumble, they're kind of the big dogs in the industry. And they're actually suing Dirty dough right now for multiple allegations. And so having been it on, we're trying to push that to the side a little bit and just focus on kind of more of the journey of Dirty dough and mental health awareness and kind of what they stand for. So if you want to know more about the lawsuit going on and some of the more eye-catching phrases and whatnot going on inside the news right now, Feel free to check out some news sources and I'll link at the end of the episode all Bennett's information if you have specific questions. I'm sure if it's nothing too crazy, he'd be more than happy to answer it. But at the end of the day, we're going to focus a little bit more ab- upon Dirty Do's message. So with that all being said, let's jump into today's episode. So Bennett, just to kind of get this episode going a little bit and so people can understand a bit more about you as well, what made you want to get into the cooking industry?
1: Um, kind of stumbled into it, I guess. I saw another company crumble and uh, their success with it. And then somebody that I went to high school with actually started Dirty Dough and was looking for some investment capital um, to take it from a delivery only out of his apartment to an actual storefront. So just because I'd seen what Crumble was doing and another company called Chip, and I'm like, yeah, this is a similar concept. um, I think it's got some legs to it. So yeah, I mean, I have no background in food or franchising. (laughs) I just saw it as a good business opportunity. um, So I jumped into it. That's
0: awesome. I love how you weren't afraid to just kind of go for it, even though you didn't have any background. Um, That's something we've discussed a lot here on the podcast before is kind of just putting one step in front of the other and just learning the process as you go. And how's that been for you so far? I mean, like you said, you had no knowledge or kind of industry wise, you had no business going inside of franchising or the cooking industry yet. You kind of just went for it. Why did you choose to do that? And how's it gone so far?
1: There's really nothing out there that hasn't already been done almost, right? So looking at it like, do I know how to do it? No. But are there humans that exist that know how to do it? You know, yes. Let me go bounce this idea of this concept that I have in my head off of, you know, 100 people in the industry and that do have food experience in franchising and see what they think of it. And then it slowly developed to, you know, we're going to do this type of cookie shop, then we're going to centralize the production. Then we're going to do our own logistics as well to ensure, you know, timely um, delivery. Uh, then we're going to order these specialty machines to have a very unique product. We're going to bulk order everything bulk, and it just slowly kind of developed as I as I spoke with people that actually did know what they were doing. Um, so that was kind of my approach: is like, yeah, I don't I don't know it, but there are people out there that do know it. Let me just lean off of what their thoughts are, what they advise us to do. And then I formulated, you know, kind of the whole model. Like, yes, I did purchase the company. Other than the name Dirty Dough, the branding, the colors, the logo, the recipes, the process, everything has been redone. Um, and then I just started hiring high talent to to run it. So like, I'm not the CEO. I have somebody that's been CEO since December. Her name is Jill Summer Hayes. And uh, she... She's already done this twice. She did her own company called Maui Waui Smoothies and Coffee, ran it for 35 years and uh, grew it to just under 700 locations. And then she sold it, took another company from zero to 90 in a few years. And, you know, so it's really just finding the people that have already done it. And that's what gives me the confidence to jump into an industry that I know nothing about um, because I'm jumping in and bringing people that do know what they're, do- <laughs> you know, do they do know what they're doing.
0: And you know, that brings up a very interesting point as well, because I think that same concept can be applied to many areas of life, whether it's in your case, you're starting a new business or it could be somebody who's trying to go to the gym, who hasn't been to the gym for a long time, may know, not know proper techniques, may not know um, the exact diet they need. So they talk to a dietitian. It could be a student going to school and they're trying to get advice and guidance in their life through their professors and their counselors and whatnot. So I really like what you're saying there about how you are willing to work hard. That's kind of the persona that you give off. You're willing to put yourself out there and start this new company, even though there's obviously going to be challenges. And um, for many people who have watched and listened to the news recently, you've definitely had your fair share of challenges with Dirty Do. Um, But you're willing to put yourself out there. That's the kind of person you are. And then you bring it back and you say, okay, I recognize that I'm a hard worker. I recognize that I'm willing to put forth my effort. But you're also humble enough to say, okay, I may be willing to work super hard, but at the end of the day, I know nothing about this specific industry. You might be a great business leader. You might be somebody who can kind of rally the troops, so to say. But at the end of the day, you needed that advice. You needed that counsel. And so you're humble enough to take it. And what, what made you want to start acquiring those different people to help you out in the business? How did you get to the point where you said, okay, I'm kind of at the limit of where I can go take this myself? So I'm gonna need some help.
1: I mean, right off the bat, I needed help. (laughs) I mean, I so it was never like I don't need the help. Um, It was just, I guess, how quickly do you get the super high talent? Um, So, like our first hire, I brought in some partners uh, that had some experience. Which, anyways, long story short, I ended up buying them all back out. Um, But you know, bringing on people right off the bat. Then our first like employee, really, that we hired outside of that one store, because obviously we were running that that one store that I purchased, um, she had experience with Mrs. Fields, with Costa Vida, with some other different companies. So once we had her, then we went and started building an advisory board, um, and we got a really good guy named John Richards as their senior advisor. His company um, was called Infospace, and he took that public, and it was valued at over $30 billion dollars. Then we got some other high, very high talented um or highly experienced advisors because basically it's like, hey, look, we have this person that works at Mrs. Fields and Costa Vida. like we have some experience here. And then we got John, and then now, hey, John, now we have Steve Hart, who owns Property Management Inc., who has 480 locations or something, his largest property management franchise in the nation. Right. And then we use that and we said, hey, Jill, can you come on our CEO, look at our advisory board, look at our other employees. And then we went and said, okay, well, now we need a third advisor. Hey, Eric Van Horn, like he's the guy in the franchise space, owns the largest franchise podcast, franchise or mastermind group, franchisee mastermind group. Like he's the guy. It's like, hey, Eric, look at our advisory board so far. You know, we have Steve, we have John, look at our employees, look at our CEO. And it's just kind of an upward spiral. So it's little by little, um, but that I mean, that was kind of the process is you start somewhere and then you leverage that hire and that experience to sell more franchises to get uh, higher talent. I mean, we just hired somebody, uh, I think it's his third week, Romney. He's a killer operations guy. Um, and he was at Domino's for a number of years. He was their director of global operations. Broke the record for you know opening the most corporate stores um, per year four years in a row. Then he was COO of another brand called Costa Vita. They have over 100 locations. And then he was CEO of a brand called Swig that does cookies and soda. You know, so we're we're always looking for the very top tier talent to really hire where we want to go rather than where we're at right now. I like that concept as
0: well. I mean, you're bringing up a lot of good points. Hire where you go. And taking that a step further, you're always looking towards the future on where your company can go. And once again, that obviously can be applied to anyone's life. It can be applied in any aspect, in any form where people can take where they're at and see kind of a path in front of them and be willing to chase it. And in your case, you are willing to chase it. You're putting in the work for it. You're gathering your team who's going to rally you up, who's going to benefit you in positive ways where they might offer you advice or counsel in areas that you may not know perfectly. And so you take that advice with humility and you go forth and you start creating something that's just amazing. And Bennett, let the let the listeners know a little bit about kind of where Dirty Doe was. Because you just mentioned at the time you had this one location, where do you stand now? And so people can understand this principle of hustle and getting people behind you in your corner that are willing to back you up in the right ways. Where Where's Dirty Doe at now?
1: So I bought the company just over a year and a half ago, January of 2021. Um, it took about a year to kind of develop the concept. Okay, we're going to go to centralized production. We're going to get, you know, uh, bulk order everything. We're going to mix it with professional uh, bakers. So like if comparing our model to the any other model, they each franchise location or each store location orders their own ingredients, hires their own employees, mixes their own cookies, weighs them all out by hand, and then serves them to customers. We centralize all production to a warehouse. We mix 1500 cookies at a time rather than 60 cookies at a time. We use professional bakers rather than teenagers. Then we portion them through a machine rather than weighing them by hand. So not only does it increase our quality control while decreasing our cost of goods, but it also gives us a very unique product, right? We get a three layer cookie, which you can only you know, make with this machine and we have some other machines coming that make really unique uh cookies as well. So, it took about a year to do that because we franchised in December of 2021. And then since December, we now have five brick and mortar stores open. We have two more opening this week. Um we have two mobile units as well, so you can buy a mobile franchise and, you know, we're trying to lower the barrier of entry to entrepreneurship there so people can jump in and have a great business without, you know, breaking the bank. Um and then we have 200 franchises sold. So five brick and mortar open, two mobile franchises, two more opening this week, and uh, yeah, another 190 to go. <laughs> so it's it's been going quick, and we've done that in 10 months of franchising.
0: You know, but it, that's just that just amazes me. This, to see somebody work so hard to start accomplishing their goals... In your case, it's the, it's the dirty dough. It's your business. And other people's aspects, it's like I mentioned earlier, it's going to the gym, it's graduating college, it's starting their own business. You know, Everyone's got their own journey they're on. But when you hear these sort of success stories, a lot of times it's hindsight. It's way after the fact. You hear of these success stories after they've been going for 5, 10, 15, 20, over 100 years in some cases. But it's very interesting to talk to you in this aspect because it's something that's going on right now. It's something that you'll see wins in your days, and I'm sure you'd be the first to admit you see a lot of losses as well. You see kind of the happiness that comes along with, oh my gosh, after a year, we've opened or we franchised out 200 store locations that have been purchased, and we got the mobile units, and we're doing great. But then at the same time, you're also noticing, okay, this went wrong, and this went wrong. And So I guess what I'm trying to say, Bennett, is I want to hear about from you specifically as you're in the process of starting this company and trying to get it out there and you've had the goods and you've had the bads. What are some of the failures that you've encountered and how have that brought you down and how have you learned from them?
1: Uh, the first failure was, uh, I mean, I guess I want to define a failure as well. Right. Cause I look at, I, I don't know if they're failures cause I'm still going. I don't think I failed at them. I think I made mistakes and I learned from them. Um, but I, I wouldn't say that they're failures. Anyways, the first thing was bringing on partners at a part-time basis. When I bought the company, I was running a solar company full-time uh, that I'd founded just a year prior. So I was running two businesses at the same time. I ended up selling the solar company a few months after, uh, which was June of last year. And that's really when I dove in first. But the biggest failure or the the, the first mistake was thinking I could do it part-time and thinking my partners could do it part-time. Um, and, and then we made some, I mean, I'm super quick to hire people, super trusting with anybody who comes my way. I'm like, yeah, come on, jump on, make it happen. You know, I'm like not really vetting it that well. And I, and I know that's a weakness. So that's why I have a CEO that does all that for me. So we made some bad hires. Um, and I would to, again, I'm looking at it and me being like an optimistic person, I'm like, I made some bad hires, but man, was it not worth it still? Right. Like that lady that I was mentioning that we hired that worked for Mrs. Fields. Um, she's no longer with us. But like, was it a bad hire? No, it was it like she contributed. We leveraged uh, her name and her experience. And I mean, it, it was still a, a decent experience. But should I have vetted that person more fully and found out that they weren't a great fit for the organization? Probably, you know, <laughs> could, could, could have saved a little bit there. Um, some other mistakes. Just... Uh, founding the company and the entity structures because now we're a logistics company. We're also a food manufacturing company. And uh, there were some tax breaks. And now we are switching our entities to C-Corps. Um, there's a 12, 1202B um, section in the tax code that if uh, for qualified small businesses, once you sell, as long as you've kept that business in a C-Corp for five years or more, every single shareholder gets their first $10 million completely tax-free. So like right now we're doing that wow. paperwork to, to convert over to C-Corps, right? And now we have, we're have we starting that, time, that five-year timeline over again. So that was something that I didn't know. Um, our first warehouse that we bought um, or that we leased, we leased that in November. So a month before we started franchising, thinking, hey, this will get us to about 30 stores doing low volume, low revenue. Well, our first five stores are all like almost doubling (laughs) our projections. So now that's like, okay, well now our warehouse could only do like 15 to 20 stores and obviously we sold 200. So thinking a little bit too small at the beginning, we actually just moved out of that facility last week. So we paid for it, built it out. It was done in May and here we are in October, five months later, and we've already moved out of it. So we, we got five months of use and it took us five months to build it out. You know what I mean? So that was another thing. Lots of little uh, learning experiences for sure.
0: Yeah, I think in life, it is a lot of learning experiences, no matter what you're going through. For your business, you've experienced that day in and day out. Every single day probably brings up a new experience for you, a new journey, especially as you're in kind of the startup phase. If a business has only been going for a year, I bet there's a lot going on every single day that might switch it up and your schedule gets thrown around quite a bit.
1: Oh, it's always changing. Yeah, it's always
0: changing, right? And same goes with a lot of things in life where we may feel a little bit behind, we may feel stressed about a certain situation, but at the end of the day, we just keep pushing forward like you've done and somehow it seems to work out in the end.
1: I so said you just keep pivoting. So that, that's why I'm like, you're like, oh, what's your failures? I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't think I'm a failure. Um, I've, I've made mistakes that I've learned from and bettered my business. But I'm like, I'm looking at anything in my career. I'm like, I don't think I failed. I would consider that I failed at anything. I haven't done great at a lot of things, and then that allowed me to pivot. You know, learn and pivot. But um, I think that's an important, important distinction to make. Though is we're not, we're not. I mean, a failure is a perspective. Did you fail? I don't know. You know. You can go bankrupt and, you know, but what, what did you learn from it, and how are you taking that to your next venture? And if you're doing that effectively, I don't think you failed. Even if you, you know, hit rock bottom, you go bankrupt, whatever. I don't think any of that matters. Uh, it, it's more how you perceive it.
0: And you know, somebody brought something up. I was in a class the other day, and somebody brought something very powerful up. Um, he was talking he's a CEO, of this big wig guy, and he's discussing this concept of failure, and he said, "If you have one trait? He said, learn to love to fail. And I like how you're connecting that back to simple mistakes because oftentimes people take that word failure as a bad connotation. They think, okay, I failed. I'm giving up, right? Usually failure means I give up. Failure means I can't go forward anymore. But when you combine your aspect of it's not a failure, it's a mistake. And you combine it with um, what this bigwig CEO, CEO was saying. His um, name is Mike Gallup. When you combine that with learn to love to fail, or you can change it to your word. Learn to love mistakes. All it is is learning opportunities. Even though in the moment it might suck. It might bring you down. It might hold things back to a different level. Or in your case, it might delay things for a couple of weeks or whatever it is. You could still just learn from it and grow.
1: 100%. I mean, that, that that's where it's at is um, did you fail? You know, so I, I mean, I'm Googling it right now, right? <laughs> Failure is the lack of success. Um, And then how do you define success? You know, and I've always looked at it as success is if you're progressing, right? If you're learning. So even if, and this comes from my door to door days, I'm knocking doors, you know, you get, you get a few FUs in the day and you're like, oh man, this day freaking sucks. But then you can flip the script and say, wait, wait, why did I get that? How did I approach them? And at what point did they tell me to F off? And how am I going to adjust my approach on the next door? All right. And then once you shift that, then it's all about what did I learn? And you're looking at every experience as how did I better myself, um, not financially? You know, so I think it actually comes back to how we define success. And I would say success is not determined at all financially. There's a book called Rich Dad Poor Dad. Have you ever heard of that? Oh yeah, I got it right next to my nightstand. I'm looking at go. it right now. <laughs> okay, so He's got a concept and I'm hanging on by a thread. I'm in my 20s. I'm 29. Um, uh, uh, so I'm still in my 20s, but barely. Um, and he talks about the concept of working to learn, not to earn. Right, So you don't focus on the money. You focus on the experience and bettering yourself as a person. So that's how I've always defined success for me. So when I'm like, have I failed? No, I don't think I failed because I have no Lack of success because I feel like I've always learned from mistakes. So, anyways, kind of, kind of, uh, playing some tongue twister with you, but that is my that is my belief of you know. Did you fail? Well, is that a lot of lack of success? What is success? And I don't think we should attach success to a monetary value.
0: I love that because you know, especially in our world, money often is what defines a lot of people's success stories. If you got the new car, the fancy car, you got the giant house, you know, you got the girls or the guys all around you that are just beautiful people, you know, that's what people at least online perceive success as. It's these people who have built up an empire and have a ton of money, you know, it's the typical story that you'd see in the movies, online, whatever it is. But I appreciate what you're saying because to some people that's not even close to success. I've, I've interviewed so many people on this podcast at this point. And um, I always go back to my friend, Junia. So a little backstory on Junior real quick for you, Bennett, and anyone in the audience who hasn't heard his story. His idea of success is traveling around the world. So he, he lives here in the United States. And when he's here, he works for about three to four months throughout the year, barely just getting enough money so he can buy a plane ticket to a different part of the world. He brings literally everything he owns, his um, clothes, his any extra food, like any possessions he owns, he brings it with him in his suitcases. He goes to a country, he stays there as long as he financially can, gives everything away to them, flies back home, starts working again, and then goes somewhere else. So his idea of success has nothing to do with his his possessions, his um, time and worth and whatnot with his money. It's all about giving back. And so I appreciate you saying that, Bennett.
1: There's a huge hole in just the, I mean, just humanity. I think of like, what is success? Nobody's defining that for themselves and you do have to define it for yourself. So going back to mistakes and and, you know, hires that didn't align with my core beliefs, my mission statement, my uh, uh, core values. Well, guess what? I didn't have them when I hired that first employee, (laughs) you know, I didn't define success for myself. So how am I going to get a team of people that we're all measuring? Well, that person's success is what's in their bank account. That person's success is how little they can work. And how much free time they can have in in their family and that person's success is how much uh are they contributing to their community right and and we don't take the time to define it for ourselves or communicate that with other people and we all think that you know we're on this road but we really don't know where we're we're going until you really ask yourself like you know what is success for me because i promise you nobody's definition of success is money right money doesn't get you any i mean money is a tool And then it's like, well, what are you going to do with that money? Do you want more time? Do you want more ability to travel? Do you want the status? Do you want a new car, which brings you the status? And if so, or if you want the free time, well, why do you want the free time? Oh, because I feel happier. Okay, cool. So your definition of success is probably happiness. Do you actually need all the money to be happy? Or can you find it in a different way? Right? So I think there's a huge hole and nobody's really talking about that of what do you actually want in life? And, uh, you know, it's, and it's never money. It's never money. It's what money can get you. And you need to keep asking yourself, you know, why do I want that? Why do I want that? Why do I want that? And eventually you're probably going to land on happiness or fulfillment. At least that's what I landed on. Happiness and fulfillment. That's what I'm after.
0: Thank you for those words, Bennett. It's something that I think all of us can apply a little bit more in our lives, despite how much somebody can tell themselves they don't want money or you know money's the root of all evil. There's all these things that go around there. At the end of the day, people still need to work and people still need to earn a living in order to survive. But let's try and make it not the root of all of our problems and concerns and what once again you would call a success. So let's try and focus that in other areas and take it a step further. So thank you for that. So Bennett, I want to kind of jump ships right now and talk a little bit about Dirty Dough itself and how it relates to the wellness community. This is something when I was learning about you and um, about a little bit more about Dirty Dough, it kind of shocked me because I was thinking, oh man, here we go. Another cookie cookie company is popping up. But after talking with you and learning a little bit more about your story, I learned that Dirty Dough has a lot to do with wellness. And can you kind of describe that to our listeners on how that connects?
1: Yeah, so... I already admitted that I'm not a cookie guy, right? So, like, I'm not in it because I, because I love baking cookies. Uh, I've never even made a batch of dirty dough cookies, so that's not what I'm in it for. But I did see it as a a, a tool, um, a very profitable tool to then go and achieve my mission in life. And my mission is to find joy and fulfillment. Um, and then I threw in, you know, now it's the the company's uh, mission statement as well. So it's to find joy and fulfillment despite life's dirtiness in ourselves and others. So the despite life's dirtiness is don't wait for life to be perfect in order to find joy and fulfillment. As entrepreneurs, man, I I feel like we're all guilty of this, right? Like we're going to put our heads down. We're going to work hard um, because one day we're going to achieve this big goal and then we're going to be happy. And then what happens when you achieve that goal? Well, you just go set another You just want to keep going, right? (laughs) You just keep going. So it's like, that's cool. Do that, but don't do that at the expense of your happiness and your joy and your fulfillment today so what can i do with dirty dough to make a difference right i'm after fulfillment i don't feel fulfilled by just having money that doesn't that doesn't satisfy my need um, i feel fulfilled by contributing to something larger than myself so very big into uh purpose-based businesses will never do a business that doesn't have a greater purpose what can we do with dirty dough well i have daughters and there's a mental health crisis going on the statistics show that my daughters are 189 percent more likely to be hospitalized due to self-harm than they were before social media came out. Like that's just the stats. That's between nine and 14 year old girls. That's crazy. Okay. So why is that happening? Well, I'm comparing myself to your perfect life. You know, your perfect life on Instagram compared to my normal imperfect life. And I feel bad about myself because I'm not where I think that you are. Um, So there's the big disconnect from what's real and what's posted online. Now you look at our, our main competition crumble. And they embody that they embody the Instagram per, uh, cookie, right? It has to look perfect. So we went the exact opposite. We said, well, it's not about the frostings on the top. It's not about if it looks good. It's about what's on the inside, right? Life is messy. Life is dirty, but it can, but it still tastes good, right? These cookies are supposed to be a little ugly, you know, but they still taste good. So we do these multi-layered cookies. We're the only ones in the world that do it. We do a three layer cookie. You look at a cookie, it's peanut butter on the outside. Uh, it's a chocolate dough in the middle and in the very center, it's hot fudge. And, but on the, on the outside, it just looks like a plain, ordinary peanut butter cookie, right? So that's the messaging that we give off. You walk into our store, it says what's on the inside matters most. And the boxes say life gets messy and that's okay. Or perfectly imperfect, proudly unique. We have all these messages, um, that we just want to give off to the general public now. go And then what are we actually going to do though? Right. To educate the public. And that's where I want to start, um, is the education of mental health. I haven't seen anybody going after the market, which, you know, maybe 70% of us fit in. And it's people that don't have a mental, a diagnosed mental health illness. I don't have anxiety, don't have depression, um, but I'm very big into mental health. I'm very big at being proactive. So I want to build wellness centers, teaching kids, hey, you don't need to wait till you have anxiety or depression to work on your mental health. This should be something you do weekly, if not daily. There's breathing exercises you can do. There's meditation you can do. There's so many different tools, you know, yoga or therapy, um, and we need to educate them. So every franchise we open, we will open a wellness center, which is converting uh, old classroom in K through 12 school into a spot that kids could come in and learn these coping mechanisms. It's not a place to escape life. It's a, it's a place for, hey, get in here, learn some coping mechanisms, Uh, learn how to stay sharp mentally, how to change your physiological state through your posture and how you breathe and then get back out there because the world's going to kick your teeth in, right? But let's help you out. So it's all about the education and the proactive uh, approach to it rather than everybody that I've seen right now is 100% reactive to mental health. Nobody sees a therapist unless they feel like they have anxiety, right? Um, But I'm like, uh, why why, why not be proactive with it?
0: You know, that's an interesting concept too because I think a lot of people never really put two and two together. I mean, obviously the state of mental health, especially here in the United States, um, you know, you hear of places like Japan or South Korea or a couple of these just countries that are on the same aspect where they just work super, super hard. Like we do here in the United States. And you know, I, as I'm hearing you say this, it's something that I'm kind of picturing in my own life. Um, like you mentioned, I don't luckily, and thank God for this. I, I don't, suffer from depression or, um, any crazy forms of anxiety or anything like that. But who knows? Like, I mean, most of the people who do go through those different stages in their lives and these diseases and things that just drag them down, it's something that doesn't just happen overnight. It's a slow and progressive state. And so when you bring that up, I'm sitting here nodding my head and thinking, yeah, like these wellness centers, this could be something really impactful. Teach kids before something crazy happens. So when, And if it does, they can be ready for it. So what kind of made you want to get into this space? And how did you connect it back to cookies to begin with?
1: I connected with cookies. So the the company was already named Dirty Dough. And then I heard an employee say, "Dirty," like telling a customer when I just happened to be in the store, Dirty Dough is named Dirty Dough because the dough is dirty, because we have more mix-ins. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know, let's go with that. So more mix-ins. Now let's do fillings, and let's do two times the fillings of other companies. Then let's buy this machine so we can get three times, and let's do two-layer cookies and three-layer cookies, and then really do the dough is dirty, right? Because it's on the inside. Um, so that's how we tied it into to, to cookies. As far as why I started going this direction is me personally. I started going in this direction. I sold my solar company last June, and I'm a hard worker, um, and I lied to myself for I don't know how many years. I probably still do. Um, I'm telling myself I'm working nights and weekends for my family. You know, I got three kids now, I got a wife um, and I'm telling them, you know, hey, it's going to be worth it because I'm doing this for you, right? I'm not giving you my time, but I'm going to work harder and give you money, which, you know, if you actually ask your family, I don't think anybody's like, yeah, I, wa- I want more money and less time with <laughs> with their dad. But that's what we do as entrepreneurs, right? So I sell my solar company and I told myself I feel a certain way uh, when I had, you know, passive income, when I had real estate, when I had cash in the bank, yada yada, and I reached that goal when I set uh, when I sold the solar company, I had a handful of rental properties, got some good residual, had a you know pl- uh, above a million dollar net worth uh, before I was thirty, I'm like, sweet, this is cool, it feels awesome. Two weeks later, still felt great, but guess what I was doing? I was working nights and weekends again. And then I'm like, oh crap, I- I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life if I don't change something right now. So it wasn't because I had a depressive episode or anxiety or anything. It was, I need to figure out why what I say doesn't match with my actions. You know, so I started seeing a therapist and I've been seeing a therapist for since then, right? Since June of last year. And man, it's been great. You go talk to somebody and figure out and dive into your psyche. There's nothing more interesting to me about that, especially if I'm focused on happiness and fulfillment. That's all in your mind, right? It's, it's all how you perceive life and how are you going to change that better or quicker, more effective than working on your mental health with one of those being, you know, a traditional therapist. So I do that. I do yoga a few times a week as well. I do a lot of guided meditation. I use an app called waking up amazing app. Um, anyways, I, I, I'm just really loving that personal journey that I'm going through and I would like other people to experience it as well.
0: That's so cool that you want others to experience this as well, Bennett, because a lot of times we'll go through our own stages. You know, you, <laughs> I, I really can understand where you're coming from because I'm, I'm that type of person as well. Who's ready to chase their dreams. They're working super hard. But then as soon as you kind of check off one of the boxes, you think, well, I did it. All right. On to the next thing. You know, sometimes you forget to appreciate it. And I think many, many, many people deal with that inside of their lives. Once again, I keep going back to this example, but it's one of the easiest for people to understand because it's something every single person deals with. It's that fitness journey, right? At first you set a goal of losing maybe five to 10 pounds. And right when you hit that, instead of being happy that you achieved it, you start focusing purely on what the next 15 or 20 or 30 pounds is going to look like, or on the same aspect, raising the weight. If you're, you know, working out, if you're doing squats, if you're doing bench press, you, you hardly ever take the time to get excited for when you up the weight but then once you do, it's like, okay, what am I going to do next? And although that I truly believe that's a good principle inherently, sometimes you got to sit back and you got to look at your successes. So in your case, you recognized after a couple of weeks, luckily, okay, I kind of hit my goal of being financially independent when I'm 30, but now I'm kind of going back into the same patterns that I thought I would be able to lose once I hit this goal. But you kind of trained yourself to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing you know, it goes back to something you said at the very beginning, or when I was mentioning a little bit about you reading your bio there. Um, you've been a hustler since day one. I mean, back in elementary school, you're selling candy bars. So how how did you make this transition to, okay, I'm working super hard, I'm financially independent, but now I'm going to take a little bit more time for my family and for my mental health. W- where did that transition come?
1: Well, I I was chasing, I mean, what did I think a millionaire was when I was growing up? You know, like, Oh, life would be perfect if you're a millionaire, you know, especially if you're a young millionaire, like you got to figure it out. Um, and then you achieve that and you're like, wait a second, my life isn't any different. <laughs> you know, I, I still have the same struggles that I had before. Uh, I'm still doing, you know, I mean, it, really nothing changes. You just have a little bit more money. and and uh, But I still didn't even feel like that. Maybe I was after the security that I would feel. And I'm like, I don't feel that. You know, people feel more security with um, you know, five thousand dollars in their bank than I do with uh, several hundred thousand dollars in the bank. So it's like, okay, well, again, how can I trace that? I could trace that back to my mind. And I'm gonna go figure out how to fix my mind um to be able to enjoy more, you know, have more happiness and have more joy. And then analyzing what gives me that. Well, it's my family. So here here's like the whole loop that I went through. I need money. Because money equals um, time freedom. Time freedom equals vacation time. Vacation time equals time with my family. Time with my family equals happiness. And that's what I'm after, right? I just want to be happy. Well, why do I have to go through all of that? How come I can't just choose to be with my family right now today and be happy with them right now today? Why do I have to go through that whole loop? And that's what I started realizing is I don't need to go through that whole loop. I just needed to define really what I wanted and then just go after that. Kind of I think it's
0: balancing everything, right wouldn't you agree
1: yeah, I mean yeah de- definitely balanced everything um and and I think yeah you we we have to know what we're actually after or else that's when you get unbalanced right if, if we're if we're after um success you know worldly success, money without knowing what that's going to actually bring to us, you know you really need to define and get clear on that.
0: So Bennett, as we're kind of closing out today's episode, we're reaching upon that time. Um, Something I love doing with all my guests on the Get Over Yourself podcast is asking them this question right at the end. So here it is for you. Bennett, if you had the entire world listening to you right at this moment, what advice would you give them
1: and why would that be? Um, I'm going to go with what we've been talking about. Figure out what you want and like, what is your mission statement? When you are dead, what do you want people to say about you? No, nobody's gonna say, Oh, I want them to say that I was rich. Like, no, nobody gives a damn about that. You know, what do you want to be known for when you're dead and start working for that right now?
0: I love that concept. I think it's something we've been talking about all episode, but summed up very beautifully. So thank you for that, Bennett. Guys, we just heard from Bennett. If you want to check more about him on his social medias, more about Dirty Doe, or any other crazy projects that he has going on inside of his life, I'm going to link their Instagram pages, their website, anything like that down in the bio. So check out the description down below at the end of this episode. Go give him some feedback as well. We really appreciate having our guests here on the Get Over Yourself podcast. Not only helps them grow their businesses and get their name out there, but it helps me as well. When I get to interview awesome people, it brings on more listeners to my show. So once again, Bennett, thank you for coming on. We really appreciated you.
1: Yeah, man. It was was good to be on. Appreciate it.
0: So guys, once again, make sure to go check out Bennett and all of his action going on over at Dirty Dough. That'll all be in the description down below. If you found this episode impactful in any way, make sure to send it to somebody who you think could benefit from hearing it. And at the end of the day, just remember, it'll all be okay. Just take a step back and continue working on your mental health and finding the ways that you can get dirty but still enjoy the ride.